0: Welcome to this edition of the Morensville Baptist Podcast uh, It's great to have you listening in and we hope that this message comes as a great encouragement and blessing to you uh, If you'd like to know any more information about Morensville Baptist Church please check out our website at www.morensvillebaptist.com Well, as has as been mentioned I got the tough job this morning <laughs> And, um, uh, but uh, it's a subject I have thought about quite a bit in the past for, uh, on various occasions um, and um, it's always important to, to explain certain difficult things uh, correctly and accurately because often there's a tradition that doesn't actually match the Bible well um, Matthew 25, 31 to, to, to 46, does this work? Yep, it works. Um, it's a it's a it's a parable of the about it's commonly called the sheep and the goats. Now I'm a I'm a Queen Street farmer, not not really, um, but um, uh, my daughter Ruth has had has had uh, good experience with lambs lately, and um, but you also had uh, a, a wonderful experience with a a pet goat that we had in Auckland. Right, we used to have pets in Auckland um, of various kinds, and uh, and this this little goat. I actually like goats rather than, than than lambs, right? This little goat we called Edna. Okay, <laughs> Edna was a was a lovely little um, goat, half feral, and and we had we had a great time with it with her. Um, really smart. She would she would ride the skateboard, jump on people's back when they were riding skateboards too. And and um, she would would eat our citrus trees, and things like that—just nuisance things that she would do. But she was just so lovable and so smart. Well, we're talking this morning about the the—it's par- not so much a parable, but uh, the mention of the figure of the sheep and the goats. And remember, it's a figure. The uh, the Hebrew Hebrew. Mind was, was such that they used concrete figures to speak about um, difficult or uh, different concepts of, of, of spiritual nature. You'll find this in the, in the Old Testament. The Old Testament had a very limited vocabulary, and, and so they, they used uh, a lot of figures of speech, a lot of... Um, you're reading, reading through the... Uh, uh, right through the Old Testament, you see all kinds of figures used. And the New Testament hooks on to the figures of the Old Testament. And, and uh, so we'll see this morning, there's the talk about the sheep and the goats and the king, and, um, a- and then there's also the, the figure of the, the king and his right hand and, the, and his left hand. Now, sorry about all you lefties out there, but this is not about you, not about your handedness, Right? It's actually about the, the concept that on the right hand of the king were those he favoured, on the left hand of the king were those he didn't favour for whatever reason. Now, I'm saying this because we need to get, get, we need to get this, the idea of the picture there in our minds. And remember, the story is not about sheep and not about left-handed or right-handed. This is something much, much deeper. In the, uh, in the context of this passage, the, the, the beginning of this, this, this context was at the beginning of Matthew chapter 24. Where they were sitting on the Mount of Olives, they come out of the, the, the public ministry in, in Jerusalem or in the temple, temple, per, temple area, and they, they withdrew to the Mount of Olives where they could see all, all the, the buildings and so forth. And uh, And... So the disciples privately asked Jesus the question, what about all this stuff that was um, w- w- going on there? What about this e- end of the age? I'll just read this, this passage in, in um, Matthew 24. He says, while he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples approached him privately. Say so this is a private conversation. Tell us, when will these things happen? What is the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? There are a bunch of things there. That Jesus was addressing in these two chapters, and and so uh, the the various things um, w- were said like the the good news of the kingdom was proclaimed in all the world, as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Um, and and the he says that when the end comes. Uh, as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man will be a great public event. And and then he says, uh, this is still in Matthew 24, he says, Then the sign of the Son of Man will be, appear in the sky, then all the peoples of the earth, all the peoples of the earth will mourn, and they will see the San, Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet and they will gather his leg from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. Now, I just want to say another little thing on the side here. So often we want to set things in chronological order in the different passages about about end times. But sometimes the passages will will deal with a specific uh, subject and and like, for instance, the return of Christ to take his his own, the, the rapture and so forth. And sometimes they talk about broad things and, and, uh, and things are telescoped together. And and, sometimes it, and so for us, it's sometimes hard to fit, the, fit things in chronological order. So, so let's get the chronological order of things out of our minds at the moment, and let's focus on what he's saying in this particular passage, because these things are very relevant for us. And, and uh, just going on further, uh, at, at, uh, about who's the faithful and wise servant... And at the end of that, he says, he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites uh, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Ooh. Another part of this context is Jesus had just finished his public ministry with the religious leaders there, there as well as all the other people. And he said to these religious leaders, woe to you you do this and this and this and this, you hypocrites. And in this context, he was saying, listen, you hypocrites, the greater light that you have, the greater responsibility you will have before God. And that's a principle that Jesus taught. And there are various ways of talking about hell. Actually, in our passage this morning, the word hell is is not mentioned. It's about eternal punishment. But there are various ways of talking about hell. Um, uh, It's like um, casting into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This was a picture in the people's minds of what it was like in their dungeons. And then there's hell as in Gehenna, now, Gehenna, now some of you guys have been, been to Israel and been to Jerusalem and, and know about where the location of this is. Um, Jerusalem was, was, was up on top of a hill, is up on top of a hill. And they had a rubbish dump. And the rubbish dump would burn continually. Probably stank like anything if the wind was blowing in the wrong direction, right? And, and, um, and so this rubbish dump, where they throw all the rubbish, and, and the the worms would be eaten through all the all the rotting stuff, and the and, and the fire would go constantly, and it would stink like anything. That was the picture that that Jesus painted in people's minds, but it was a picture of what was happening in the future. And he said to these, he says, "Woe to you, woe to you, religious hypocrites! The future life will be like that rubbish dump down there that's burning continually." and never goes out. The worm never dies. Graphic, graphic pictures. Now, another thing about hell and stuff is that um, uh, uh, Jesus taught about it the most. Right? We've got to get that picture in our mind. Jesus talked about it the most. And, and Jesus, because of who he is, knew exactly what was coming up for, for people. Another thing about hell I would just like to, to, to put in here, and I think this is important. Just as there are degrees of reward in heaven, there are degrees of punishment in hell. Uh, we know uh, as a concept of justice that the punishment should match the crime. Of course, this is a different kind of crime than we have here on earth. Well will be talking about that. Like, uh, like he says in Luke, a servant who knows what the master wants but isn't prepared to, and doesn't carry out those instructions will be severely punished. But someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. So there is a mercifulness in, in hell in the afterlife, for those who, who are not in heaven, the punishment will be appropriate to the crime, and this is important because one of the greatest things that is thrown against Christianity is that you people believe in, believe in hell, and, and God's going to be torturing people in hell. God won't even be there. It's away from His presence. It's a place prepared not for people, but for the devil and his angels. And, and, uh, and I believe that in hell, God will protect the more vulnerable from the most um, pernicious people in this world. Imagine being next to, next to Putin in hell, right? right. You know, God, God is a merciful God. Let's move this on. The judge will hold everyone to account. This is the scene. It is the termination of this world before the beginning of the next world. We live in a a two-world eternity. This world, which is temporal, and the next world, which is eternal. The... uh, the aspect of the judgment is that the just judge, the just judge will hold everyone to account. I think it's very important to note this. People want to complain about hell, but you don't don't hear them talking about the judgment. The judgment is where justice, full and absolute, complete justice, will be meted out to every individual on earth to everyone who has ever lived or ever will live on this earth. The fact is that that God knows all things in everyone's mind. God created everything through Christ. He has... um, I can't read that yet. He has shown... uh, he, he, Jesus, was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit, Paul says in Romans 1. At the end of, end of, every, end of this age, every person who ever lived will be presented before him. Before who? The creator of the universe. Jesus, the, the preexistent Jesus. The, uh, Jesus who preexisted in eternity with the Father. So then getting to the passage, let me read this and we'll, and we'll comment as we go through. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the nations with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. He will separate them from one another just as, that, it means just like, uh, there'll be no sheep and goats up there, right? Just as um, uh, a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Now, the the term son of man was Jesus' favorite uh, term concerning himself. When he says the son of man, he he says me, right? Um, After his resurrection, he was referred to as the son of God and for good reason. So, when he was on earth he said when the son of man comes in his glory and he's talking about the glory as as the prophet Daniel had had prophesied so long before and he'll sit on his glorious throne and when you think, here's another picture it's not just it's not like Jesus won't be sitting on a chair with wheels on but like my my wife's uh, mobility scooter, right? I call it a, her quad bike. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, let's, get the, let's, let's see it as a picture and remember, what is it speaking of? It's talking about the glory of the Son of God who comes, who comes onto earth and all people will be gathered before him. All the nations, not just the Jews, but all the nations will be gathered before him. I remember years ago, uh, someone this was before computers were around, someone was, someone was talking about these hard drives who could, who, who had, could have, could, which could have all this memory in them. Little did he know about the terabytes we have <laughs> of memory today and the cloud and all that sort of stuff. Um, b- but it's way more than that. Think of all the people who ever, ever lived on this earth Since since the creation of Adam, our our ancestors, uh, who have ever lived on this earth, earth, lived and died on this earth, and all those who will come, the billions, God knows every thought, every action, every movement, everything that everybody has done. And everybody will have to give an account of him, to him who sits on the throne the creator of the universe, is calling everyone to account. The, 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 the people who say, well, this world is all there is, and, and there's no God, and all that sort of stuff, um, for them, there can be no ultimate justice. Even Putin and Hitler and these guys, and, and um, Stalin, who killed, killed millions, it can't even be wrong because there is no wrongness. There's no ultimate law in the universe. No, just as God has, has created this universe with these immovable laws in which we, 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 um, in, in which we operate, he has created a moral universe. And we, we are moral beings. We are created in the image of God. And a very important aspect of that is that we, we can freely choose to follow God or to say, no, forget it, I want to go, go my own way. And so, for this reason, God will, will hold everyone in the world to account. Justice demands that. But it's the Father who will judge the world through Jesus Christ. The the Apostle Paul said to to the um, philosophers in Athens, he says, he he now commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day on which uh, he, he will... a a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed and he has proved this to everyone um, by raising this man from death the resurrection of Jesus is proof that the judgment will come if there was no resurrection of Jesus there will be no judgment and Christianity is nothing but another religion But the resurrection makes all the difference. So coming at this time, at the end of this age, is a resurrected Lord of all, coming in his glory. And he will put people like goats on his left and sheep on his right. He, He will divide people. There will be this great division of people it's not a division between people who who are, are better than others. No. None of us come up to the standards of, of God. We all have sinned. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. It's to do with with, with mercy. You see, this court in heaven um, is is, uh, is not to do with mercy. Um, judging the evidence, all that's been accounted for because God all knows it. This is actually like a court of sentencing. Then then the, the king will say to the right, to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. And I was in prison and you visited me. And this echoes what Isaiah had said so many hundreds of years beforehand. Now, is it saying, listen, you're good enough because you've done these things? No. It's saying you've done these things because of your relationship with me. You, you have been put right with God because of the mercy of God through Jesus Christ who, who after this time was crucified and, and rose from the dead and who have put your trust in me and, and this is evidence that you belong to me. You see, um, you, you, you'll note that it says, um, uh, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom. It's a blessing that has already been given us from when? From the foundation of the world, from eternity. God knew in ahead, of, ahead of time, God knew in eternity past who would put their trust, who would freely put their trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. And, and this was the evidence they lived their lives on earth unselfishly. They lived their lives on earth for, for the Lord Jesus Christ, and they wanted to obey His commands. You must love your neighbor as yourself. And and His the command, you must love your neighbor as yourself, extends right into the New Testament. You must love your neighbor as yourself. And and uh, and, and prior to that. is is the greatest command of all. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your your strength. And Jesus said that on on these two commands hang all the law and the prophets, all the scriptures hang on these two great commands. And the New Testament talks about this quite a bit. Romans 12, for instance. You know, True believers show that they belong to Jesus, belong to God, because of their behavior. There are many people who think that they can do church things or good things or or charitable things, um, which in themselves are are good things to do. But God won't accept these things as, as good enough in heaven because even in all these good things that we do, we fall short of the glory of God. God made us in his image and expects us to do these things. These are our duty to do things that are good. To love your neighbour as yourself. The, the golden rule. To treat others as you, as you would have them treat you. That, by the way, depends on the second greatest command. To love your neighbour as yourself. Well, the, the righteous. What will the righteous say? Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or, take, or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't even aware that, I was, that, I, that, um, that you were in this person that I was trying to help. The point here really is that, that everyone, everyone is created in the image of God Everyone, when we do something good for another person, we're doing it for God because god they're created in the image of God, whether they deserve it or not. And, and, uh, and this is very important. Jesus was saying, listen, you're, you're doing it for me, the first greatest commandment. Um, but you're doing it through obeying the second greatest commandment, loving your neighbor as yourself. Jesus um, said in the next slide, the king will answer them. And here is the word, the king, right? The son of man is the king. Truly I tell you, whatever you did for the, one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Now I was going to have a slide where, where the, the next section was put side by side, but I thought it might be a bit con- confusing but you'll see in the next session when he says to those on the left, um, parallel things, like I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. We'll see this next. Then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And when it says cursed, it's, it's not as if um, that God had... had they deselected them because from, from arbitrary uh, et- eternal uh, decision that, that the elect are, are selected and, and the, the, the non-elect are, are, are just simply discarded. That's not the picture at all. The elect are those who, whom God foreknows will put their trust in Jesus freely from their hearts. That's who the elect are. And, and uh, because God knew this from eternity, he has prepared et- he, e- the eternal life for us in heaven. Just like Jesus said, uh, I'm going to pr- a way to prepare a place for you. See, he's there now preparing a place for you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you, right? He's preparing a place for us. Um, but, but, he, but this was, um, this, this here actually reflects the, the passage in, in, um, in Revelation 20 when it says, Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death the lake of fire. And any, anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. And the lake of fire was earlier described as, as prepared for the devil and his angels. God does not want anyone to perish. But he wants everyone to come to Repentance. He wants everyone to be reconciled to himself. Because after all, when this world is gone, all the all stuff that people like here on this earth that God has provided will disappear. And then there'll be either eternal presence of God or eternal, eternal absence of God. Eternal, eternal absence of God will be the absence of everything good. It's a terrible thing to be, to be under the wrath of, of God. But you know, all of us deserve it, don't we? None of us are good enough for heaven. It's only by his mercy and his grace in the Lord Jesus Christ who died for us that, that uh, we go to heaven. Perhaps I'll just go back again to point out one or two things here. Um, In verse 42, it says, and you gave me nothing to drink. The the difference here um, between this and and those who are blessed is is that when people did their good works, and all religions have their good works, right? When people did their good, good works, they did it for themselves ultimately for themselves. Not because they wanted to please their Father in Heaven. But they, but, and, and so it's a personal thing to God. When, when people, they might have done some charitable things, but look, I, Jesus, I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. Now these things about being hung, hungry and thirsty and, and, and being clothed and being a stranger uh, and, and so on, um, being in prison... Um, these are sort of the, the conditions of, of people on this earth. God wants us to, to fulfill that second greatest commandment and, and love all these people because Jesus said, even the least of these things, these, these ones, if He didn't even do it to the least of these ones, He didn't do it for me because the Lord God, the Lord Jesus, He loves the least of everybody. And, and, um, and they too will answer. And they too will answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or without clothes or sick or in prison and not help you? Maybe they did do these sorts of things, but they didn't recognize God when they did it. Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Here it is this moral responsibility ultimately our moral responsibility is to God and lastly and they will go away into eternal punishment but the righteous into eternal life by the way this word righteous doesn't mean self-righteous it means put those who have been put right with God through faith in Jesus Christ None of us have a righteousness of our own that can compare with the glory of God. We're all, as I said before, we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. <laughs> and, and so eternal punishment is, is not God eternally torturing people. It is the, just, the justice that God will mete out to those who do not put their faith in Jesus, the Son of God who do not believe in him. But the righteous into eternal life, those who are redeemed. It says in Revelation, the books will be opened and anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. That's a terrible thing. You know, people are being lost in this world. But I want to challenge you this morning. You know the first of these two verses. John 3, 16. For God loved the world so much. God loved the world in this way. That he gave his one and only son. That's the only begotten son. His unique son. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish. is another word for eternal being eternally lost. Actually, the word perish means destroyed. Will not be destroyed. It doesn't doesn't mean annihilated. It means destroyed. But have eternal life. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hands, hence the judgment through the Son. The one who believes in the Son has eternal life, but the one who rejects the Son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on him. You know, all of us were under the wrath of God be- before we put our faith in Jesus. We've been saved from wrath. All of us are due wrath. Is there anyone here this morning who is still under the wrath of God, who hasn't put their faith in Jesus? Do you know for sure that when you die, where are you going to go? Will you be like those on the left or those on the right? I challenge you this morning. We're talking about ultimate matters here. This was the last message that Jesus gave to his disciples before he was crucified. I challenge you this morning, put your faith in Jesus. He's the only one who can save you. He is the one who created this universe through whom God, the Father created the universe. He is the rightful owner of everything. He is the Lord of all. He has risen from the dead, and he is coming again. Are you ready?